Welcome to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Uh, all right. Well, look, uh, we've, we saw the performance today uh, in Washington. Uh, Hunter Biden gets up there. I, I got to talk about this because it's, it's really something exceptional. So he gets up there, and can you believe the gall of him? He gets up and he says, there's nothing to see here. This is entirely politically motivated. It's all about me having a substance abuse problem. My parents were there for me in this challenging time. And this is how the Republicans repay my parents for being there for me in my darkest hour. That's the gist of what he said. Now, in the same breath, of course, while he is literally in front of the Capitol, he refuses to show himself and produce himself for a subpoena, a deposition that he was ordered to attend, lawfully ordered to attend, might I add, and decided to willfully ignore, and not just willfully, publicly. Let me tell you how these things work, right? You, you get a subpoena order. It doesn't matter if it's – well, it does matter. It's a bigger deal if it's Congress that's calling you in. But any subpoena, you cannot just uh, refuse to show up for a, a, a an order deposition. Now, you can make arguments to a judge. You can appeal the dep- you know the the order to uh, you know show up. You, you, you can go through a legal process, but he didn't do any of this. You see, and that's what I'm. You know, that's the part of this that everybody needs to understand. You know, Hunter at no point did he challenge this. He simply got up and told everybody that he just wasn't going to do it. And that he was perfectly justified in not doing it because, of course, the Republicans are out there just to get his dad. This is this is some pretty crazy stuff. So, it, you know, I, I want you to know this is exactly what he said. So his remarks up there, he opened um, – first off, he said his dad was not in any way, shape, or form involved in his business. For six years, I have been the target – of the unrelenting Trump attack machine shouting, where's Hunter? Well, here's my answer. I am here. Let me state as clearly as I can. My father was not financially involved in my business, not as a practicing lawyer, not as a board member of Burisma, not in my partnership with a Chinese private businessman, not in my investments at home nor abroad, and certainly not as an artist. And nobody's – where do I even begin with this? The allegation isn't that Joe Biden was involved in the family business. The allegation is that he financially benefited from it. Notice his choice of words. And crying, the Trump attack machine is, is, is too little too late. By the way, if all things were – fair and equal uh, in the federal court system in Washington, D.C., him showing up 
you know, mere steps away from where he should have been at that precise moment. Attending a ordered deposition for which he was given a lawful subpoena, his admission, where am I, where have I been, I am right here, is dispositive proof that he was able to attend and didn't. That's the that's the best part about this. So then, of course, um, it's not Hunter Biden who was cracked out of his head and filming himself with hookers and blow and yelling at his daughter, abusing his own parents. It's not Hunter that should have any shame. It's the Republicans. How dare they? There is no fairness or decency in what these Republicans are doing. They have lied over and over about every aspect of my personal and professional life. So much so that their lies have become the false facts believed by too many people. No matter how many times it is debunked, they continue to insist that my father's support of Ukraine against Russia is the result of a non-existent bribe. They displayed naked photos of me during an oversight hearing. And they have taken the light of my dad's love, the light of my dad's love for me, and presented it as darkness. They have no shame. This is next level stuff. I, I don't expect, by the way, anything less from an addict and a, a proven, right at this point, um, narcissist. So this this is all par for the course, but it's – see, it's the Republican. How dare the Republicans, if I can follow this, show naked pictures of me that I took of myself, put on a laptop that I left behind, and that then – my father, right, I'm speaking here as putting myself in the shoes of Hunter Biden, and then my father enlisted 50 of the nation's most quote-unquote respected uh, folks in the intelligence community, law enforcement community, to come out and falsely declare that it was fake. At least he's finally admitting that these are pictures of him. At least he's finally admitting that this laptop and everything on it is real. That's what I'm listening to here. That's what I hear here. He's not denying that these aren't pictures of him. He's not saying these were created somehow, you know, deep fake photographs. And he's admitting it's his stuff. They displayed naked photos of me during an oversight hearing. How dare the Republicans in Congress hold your father accountable for benefiting from millions of dollars of bribes that went through Hunter Biden's country? How dare they hold Joe Biden accountable? This, that's what's so – it's the, – the accusation – by the way, the accusation is here has nothing to do with Russia. He knows it. It's not – it has nothing to do with Russia. I mean really tangentially, it's not even much to do with Ukraine. It, the, the fact of the matter is that there is all this money that has funneled its way into the Biden family pot. Joe Biden himself benefited from it. And now we're sitting here going, well, what was it for? And worse yet, not just what was it for, but you know, it's – what is it getting the folks that paid this money to Biden, right? 
Now, remember, this was supposed to be a closed door, uh, closed door deposition, which is pretty normal stuff. And incidentally, the Democrats, you know, I think it was all the Trump uh, stuff, they, they had some of these as well, by the way. And I am I'm inclined to believe that if you are the target of an investigation um, and you are absolutely innocent of any accusations being levied against you, you would prefer on balance, you would prefer to be questioned behind closed doors. You'd be you'd. Well, what's the alternative? The alternative is an open session of Congress with with, with reporters standing by and. And, you know, you're on camera and everything's being reported. I, I mean, look, if there's nothing there and you're perfectly willing to testify under oath that there's nothing there, then do it behind closed doors. Get it disposed of, done, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, and it's over. But Hunter Biden is complaining that they didn't want to have this uh, conversation with them, this deposition in open in an open session of Congress which is a little perplexing to me. This is what he said. Republicans do not want an open process where Americans can see their tactics, expose their baseless inquiry, or hear what I have to say. What are they afraid of? I'm here. I'm ready. But you're not ready. Well, you're, you're there, of course, but you're not ready to actually testify under oath. You're not. He wasn't. He wouldn't do it. Now, Jim Jordan answered why this closed-door interview is important, and I'm, you know, I look, I, I think this is just part of it, but here's what he said. Well, just why they didn't show up. I mean, he was just across the way at the Capitol. You think he could come here and set the question. You do it in an open format now, you're going to get filibusters, you're going to get speeches, you're going to get all kinds of things. Uh, what we want is the facts. And the way you get the facts in every single, de- uh, every single investigation I've been involved in is you bring people in for an interview behind closed doors where you can get those facts. And then, as the chairman said, we'd love for him to come public. There you go. Again, why not? Why not testify? If this is all a big Republican hoax, if this is all a big Republican uh, get-his-dad thing, why not testify? See, I think that this whole statement was absolutely slippery. Okay, got to take a quick break. Uh, Where do we go from here? Well, it kind of depends on some things. I'll explain when we return, you're listening to the What's Right Show, Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show and uh, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. I'll tell you what the biggest lie from this morning's press debacle with uh, Hunter Biden was. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. Welcome back to the What's Right Show. When he said, Robbie, when he said that he um, had so much uh, debt to repay to his parents, 
that his parents had helped him through a difficult time and that there's no way that he could possibly repay or know that they expect him to repay. Um, I, I think that's one of the biggest lies, and I'll tell you why. Because when we're talking about – I don't know about the emotional support side of it. Of course, that's a whole separate animal. And, and two things can be true at the same time, by the way. Joe Biden, right, could be a great dad in supporting his son. I, I don't even want to get into that. I'll even accept that Joe Biden is a fantastic father and was supporting Hunter throughout this crisis. But don't forget, on 4-12-2018, Hunter sends a text message that he's been paying his dad's bills for 11 years. He instructs his financial guy to put the payment, some kind of payment on, on his uh, payments on his debit card and on his Wells Fargo credit line. Here's the quote. My dad has been using most lines on this account, which I've through the gracious offerings of Eric Schwerin, his business partner, have paid for the past 11 years. It's interesting, right? Then there's a Hunter Biden text. On 5-10-2018, where Hunter Biden says that he only kept 15% of his paychecks. On May 10th, a pleading text, test, text message was sent to Hunter Archer, who was uh, uh, Hunter Biden's uh, business partner. Are you coming back east for my trial at all? It would be important and love to see you if you can. And then he, I guess Hunter wrote back one word, no. This is this was, Hunter Archer wrote that, right, because he was on trial. Um, and, then, and then Hunter says, I gave away 85 cents of every dollar last year. So remember, he would take the money in, and then he would distribute it all. He'd keep a little piece of it, but he'd distribute it. And it was going to Joe. It was going to uh, Dr. Jill Biden. It was going to... Uh, uh, the brother, it was going toward to the kids and the grandkids. It was getting spread around the entire family. Now, there's also emails that show that Hunter and Joe Biden shared a bank account. That's dodgy. Let me tell you something. I know a little bit about addiction. I was close to somebody at one point who had it. You do not share a bank account with a drug addict. This is banana stuff. 5-15-2018. The Daily Mail recovered emails from Hunter's abandoned laptop. And they're talking about Rosemont Seneca Partners. Him and Eric Schwerin are talking about this. And... Uh, and then he, he basically says that him in those emails, Hunter goes that he and his father are sharing a bank account. Again, these are statements by Hunter, and I know what you're going to get at. Now, I, I understand this, right? but a lot of people listening to this go, well, these are Hunter Biden's statements. I mean, you can't take, take, you know, take these for any kind of evidentiary proof, and sorry, that's not how the law works. Let me just tell you, as an attorney, these are all highly admissible statements because while it is hearsay, it is one of the top, it is one of the top exceptions to hearsay. Because these are statements against interest. None of these statements are, well, flattering, nor are they 
uh, legally helpful to Hunter Biden's case. They are literally statements made that will potentially do potentially hurt Hunter's legal standing. So as statements against interest, they are admissible in court, and it's one of the hearsay exceptions. All of this, if there were a trial tomorrow, all of this would be let in. What about the time Hunter accidentally paid a prostitute with money from his dad's bank account and the Secret Service showed up to his hotel and wanted to fix the problem? Again, and was it from that same shared account? So just the, 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 and it goes on. There are literally, and I've, I've got it here, there are 46 examples here of, of, of situations where there is clear financial benefit going to Joe Biden and what we call commingling of funds between somebody that is Hunter, that is an unregistered foreign agent that is receiving funds from these foreign entities, foreign governments, and Joe Biden is, is paying his bills from these accounts. There's an FBI memo. It's, this is July 20th, 2023. And Chuck Grassley, Senator Grassley, there's a memo. There's a confidential human source at Burisma that reports Joe Biden orchestrated a bribe in exchange for his own legal help. It's there. And we shared this when, the, when, when this news came out. So how does this play out? Well, well, look, it, it was a Republican that refuses a congressional subpoena. In Washington, D.C., they're going to go to jail. Here, I don't know that the DOJ is going to file charges against Hunter Biden. I think that's why Hunter thinks he can get away with this uh, with impunity. Joe Biden, by the way. Joe Biden interacted with Hunter's clients more than 200 times, and these are all documented interactions, 200 times. So every time Joe Biden or Hunter Biden say, my dad or I did not have any business dealings with, with my son's business, my dad didn't have any, all of that is nonsense. It's BS, and that is why Hunter Biden cannot testify to any of this under oath. If he goes under oath and has to give testimony, he will at the very least end up with, with a, uh, some very serious perjury charges. Or he will have to admit to this stuff, and it will be absolutely a death knell to his father. So will Joe Biden's DOJ protect Hunter right, by allowing him to flaunt the law in order for – Hunter's lack of testimony here provide uh, cover for Joe Biden, absolutely. And that's up until and through the moment that I think, uh, I think any of these people realize that Joe Biden's doomed. This is all hanging by such a thread. And that, that the literal hair that it's hanging by is, um, is all – it all comes down to whether or not – People behind the curtain in the Biden administration and even the power structure of the Democratic Party believe that Biden can be reelected. At the moment that they, be, that they truly consider it to be a lost cause, I could see them turning on this entire thing and begin to push it aside. So there it is. That's what's cooking right now. It's been a big day, big morning in Washington, and it has certainly some bearing on the race. Now, the, the media reaction to this is going to be 
is going to be something else. All right. Uh, we'll get into that here when we come back. You think, of course, the media would be fair and balanced. Ha, ha, ha. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840, KXNTV, back in a moment. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Greetings and welcome back to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234. All right. Uh, well, this obviously following the Hunter Biden story. Um, I uh, here's a by the way, here's a media reaction to a congressional subpoena being ignored. Right? Is this what we have? We're Hunter Biden today got up and held a press conference. I think these are, I think Robbie, these are his first public remarks since he's become a household name, and he gets up and he says. Uh, I'm not showing up. This is a Republican uh, a circus, and I'm not participating in it. Which is, again, I think from a, a legal perspective, a little problematic because it was a lawful subpoena, and he didn't show up. Meanwhile, he is literally has time to hold a press conference uh, yards away from where he was supposed to be in deposition. So Hunter gets up there. He starts talking. He gives this thing, and and now the question is, what are the legal repercussions, right? There's political and there's legal repercussions. And to, to judge, well, I, I explained, I think, you know, obviously he could be charged with, with, uh, with contempt. And there is potentially jail time with that. Now, I'm fairly certain, I saw a news story here just before I went on air that um, people apparently believe there are sources claiming uh, that that Joe Biden was aware ahead of time that Hunter wouldn't be, you know, that that he wouldn't be testifying. And I think that seems pretty pretty obvious to me. I'm I'm certain that Hunter is very closely coordinating this uh, every move of his right now with with not just Biden but Biden's team. And because of that, I'm fairly certain that the risk of prosecution of charges being filed against Hunter Biden for refusing the subpoena are low. And that's because, yeah, well, I mean, by the way, KJP, what is this? When was this? Minutes ago, KJP, Corrine Jean-Pierre, the, uh, yeah, the affirmative action spokesperson for the Biden administration had this to say about it, confirming this. The president was certainly familiar uh, with what his son was going to say. And I think what you saw was from the heart from uh, his son. And you've heard uh, you've heard me say this. You've heard the president say this. Uh, when it comes to the president, and the first lady, they are proud of him uh, continuing to rebuild his life. They are proud of their son. OK, there you go. So they were aware of it. What she's not saying what she's not saying is that um, is that it's it was likely right that, that that because Hunter coordinated with Biden, who runs the DOJ? Who would be filing charges against against Hunter? Were these 
uh, were these uh, were he to be held in contempt of Congress? Well, it would be the U.S. Attorney for uh, for D.C. And that guy reports to the Attorney General, who reports to Joe Biden. I don't think I think they're fairly certain that those charges aren't going to come down, which is why he's doing this, and he's doing it in such a public way. He didn't disappear. He literally hold a pre- held a press conference. So how's the media reacting to it? Well, here's here's an example, I think, of how uh, of a proper media response to this. Uh, CNN legal analyst Joey Jackson, um, I think, making a fairly decent case. So I think he has to buttress himself publicly. He has to show that this is he's victimized. He's the victim, right? No one else but him. And the other part of that, right, to Ellie's point about the judge, you have something called cross-examination, right? And at the end of the day, sir, did you get a subpoena? Did the subpoena indicate the date you should appear? Did you acknowledge that subpoena? Do you recognize, do you speak and understand the language the subpoena was in? Did you appear at the committee? Did you present the documents you were requested to present? Did any of that occur? If no, then it's a simple, really, answer. It's simple. Guy's not above the law. You got to really play by the rules. You didn't. You're guilty. Oh, but the only problem here, folks, is while that this was uh, this this argument, which I think is quite compelling, was argued, was made on CNN. It didn't happen today. It happened all the way back in July of 22 in relation to Steve Bannon refusing to show up and ignoring a congressional subpoena. Well, there you go. That was the official MSM position on the Bannon subpoena. So now the question is, you know, what are people saying about this today? So NBC White House correspondent Mike Mamoli uh, said this today on MSNBC's Anna Cabrera show. And Mamoli starts off explaining to Anna why this is all so Interesting. Well, and it's so interesting because really within minutes of that, as you say, dramatic statement on Capitol Hill from Hunter Biden, uh, an administration official tells me that the view of the White House is that this was a forceful and powerful statement on part of the president's son. We are also hearing, though, from the Biden campaign as the House is prepared to move ahead with a vote on an impeachment inquiry, a campaign spokesperson saying that the House Republicans are doing following the orders of Donald Trump. Trump's MAGA minions, this spokesperson says in Congress, have nothing positive to run on, so they resort to these shameful ploys. They're highlighting a number of comments from some House Republicans, noting the politics of this, noting the impact it's had on President Biden's own approval ratings, and part of their argument that what House Republicans are engaged in is only a political exercise and not one that's about true accountability here. Oh, I got it. Okay, so no true accountability here, but of course— when the when the shoe was on the other foot and it was it was uh, Bannon that was uh, refusing a subpoena, well, by then, then by all means, of course, it was all about him uh, being a, a pleading victim and 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 a f- running afoul of the law in the process. I I think look, I think that this entire thing is perilous, and as I mentioned right before we went to break, I said that it all is hanging by a thread. And the thread is the degree to which the perception is that President Biden is still a political player. They're going, Sam, what do you what do you mean by this, right? What do you mean? Well, of course, he's a, he's a president of the United States, a political player. I mean, Biden's over the hill. And that in and of itself wouldn't be determinative of his of his imminent doom. 
except for the fact that he is absolutely losing ground in the polls. And at some point, panic will set in. There's an expression, you know, the rats fling a sinking ship and that, that you know, whole nine yards. Um, I, 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 my, cons- my concern for Hunter and for Joe Biden would be this. In order to prop up this enormous house of lies, they need, they need many loyal minions, people behind the scenes, people in the Justice Department, people uh, inside the administration, people in the campaign. And here's the thing about it with politics. It's, it's, it's a very important point is everybody's in it essentially for themselves. Working for Folks, working for a campaign, working even in the White House, have you ever known anybody that's worked in the White House? I have. I do. Uh, not currently, but I, I've known people who've worked in the White House. The pay stinks, okay? The pay blows. Then you also live in D.C., which is a very expensive place to live. So most people who are working inside the White House or you know have roommates and have – you know don't particularly live a great lifestyle. Let me just – tell you that plus the hours are atrocious the stress is incredible you see even higher level people leave you know three years in two years in of being in a post they burn out the amount of effort required it does not match the pay does not match the remuneration so what is in it why do people do it well people do it because some you know some people are power hungry and it's 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 intoxicating to be close to a power center. But the only reason people stay and remain loyal is because they believe that the, 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 the system that they're working for, the boss, the president, or the congressman, the senator, the elected whom they serve, that that guy is going to – gal is going to remain in their post and that their power will grow and that they will progress up the food chain. This is why people work in campaigns. People work in campaigns in hopes of being hired on uh, into a permanent position once the campaign is successful and the candidate has won the race. And then they go and work for the candidate in hopes that the candidate moves up to the next position and that their role grows. They all dream. They go, look, I'm not going to become president of the United States, but I might become deputy chief of staff someday, and I'll be a real power broker. This is how people think that get involved in this. By the way, I get hives just thinking about it, but that's how people think. So what what causes people to reevaluate that? Well, if you feel that your boss is is not going to make it, people begin to jump. If you feel your boss is slipping, people begin to jump. If people feel that uh, perhaps they're might come a time where even uh, being where you're at is a toxic, is a, is a career negative, then they run. They don't even wait to jump. They run. They run for the hills. So what? I, I wouldn't discount this one bit. The, the thing that could happen here very quickly is, and it could happen, folks, it could happen as early as, as next month. The Democrats can go into full-blown panic mode, and all it would take is a handful of, of folks in um, 
let's say, you know, inner circle kind of people, cabinet level people, close to the president people saying, yeah, it's not going to, he's not going to win it. And then people begin to run, and then all the people covering for Hunter say, forget it. It's not worth it. Why am I covering for somebody who's going to lose? And this is all going to blow up in everybody's face. And all these people are going to be hauled up in front of the new administration with the new attorney general, with new AUSAs, assistant U.S. attorneys deployed to various posts, special counsels, etc., investigating the hell out of this. And people go, look, I, I'm going to... I'm going to be implicated in this. My house that I have almost paid off, my kid's college fund, my retirement, it's all going to be up in smoke. For what? Covering for an ex-drug addict? Covering for Hunter Biden for this loser? So, um, look, I I, I can't predict with a certainty this is going to happen, but it's certainly a highly possible outcome here. Quick break. We'll be right back. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Hi, welcome back. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here. Okay, um, Jonathan Turley uh, today, 10 reasons why it's worth investigating Joe Biden. Um, so this is a great piece. His first thing that he writes here, this first item, his reason for why it is worth investigating uh, this matter here, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden and his associates were running a classic influence peddling operation using Joe Biden as what Devin Archer called the brand. While this was described as an illusion of access, millions were generated for the Bidens from some of the most corrupt figures in the world, including associates who were later accused or convicted of public corruption. I mean, if you were delivering an opening statement on a case, this would be uh, this would be a great way to open it up. Now, more damning in my view is that some of Biden's clients were pushing for changes that impacted U.S. foreign policy. So, for example, remember Biden himself first money exchanged hands to Rosemont Seneca Partners, and then Biden got up there being the blabbermouth that he is. He says, I demanded that this prosecutor be fired. Victor Shokin get fired, who was investigating Burisma. So we had money go to the Bidens via Rosemont Seneca Partners, quite a bit. I think it was, what was it, 10 million, Robbie, something like that. And then they asked that the U.S., that the Biden, excuse me, the Obama administration lean on the Ukrainians and condition U.S. foreign aid, our taxpayer dollars, condition it on Ukraine, the government firing a prosecutor that was hostile to Burisma's interest. Burisma, of course, hiring 
Hunter Biden for God knows what other than to influence his dad. And you can submit as evidence in court. I would be able to bring in the fact that on this day, money exchanged hands on the next day. Uh, you know, Biden had a meeting on the, the third day. Biden gave a press conference saying I demanded that they fire the SOB. And oh, what do you know? They did. And that would be I mean, look, it. it you would have you would have that, that's a compelling case. Now, the other thing that uh, Jonathan Turley writes here that Biden had made false claims, numerous false claims about his knowledge about any of these dealings. He's denied these things uh, over and over again. And, you know, Archer under penalty of uh, Hunter Archer, the uh, uh, the the other uh, co-conspirator who got later was indicted and convicted. Uh, he declared under oath that this was all patently false. That 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 Joe Biden knew very well about all the stuff going on. They're still denying that today. And then, of course, Joe knew that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's brother James were accused of influence peddling. There's an audio tape of the president acknowledging a New York Times investigation as a threat to Hunter. There's emails. There's text messages. There's payment receipts from foreign sources. But, but Hunter is at one point threatening a, a Chinese, uh, you know, some businessman with ties to the Communist Party saying, hey, don't test me. I better have that money tomorrow or the guy next to me is going to make your life miserable. Remember that? A trusted FBI source testified, uh, recounted how a direct claim of corruption existed uh, uh, between uh, between Joe Biden and through intermediaries of the Ukrainian government. And then Hunter Biden, of course, all the money, all the claims that his half of his earnings uh, went to his father, etc. Right, intermingled, commingled bank accounts. This is a mess. And it is all hanging by a hair on their chinny chin chins. Uh, I, 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 I think it could all disassemble very quickly. I really do. Everybody is holding water for them. And the only reason they are is because even a very corrupt Joe Biden is still better than the orange Donald J. Trump. Can't have the orange man. So they're willing to suck it up and, 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 and lie and obfuscate and carry water for Team Biden. But everybody's doing it, uh, holding their noses. And I, what I'm hearing is from the inside, everybody knows that this is real. Everybody knows that this is an actual problem. They just don't want to uh, – they don't really they, – they just, they, they just know that if it all blows up now without a plan B, an ass or uh, – yeah, this is going to be – this going to be a problem. So there it is. By the way, I keep saying Hunter Archer, Devin Archer. Okay, it was – yes, it was um, Biden and Archer, uh, Hunter Archer um, and Devin – excuse me, Hunter Biden and Devin Archer. Too many names here to keep track of. But they were the business partners, the co-founders of Rosemont Seneca Partners. Thank you, Robbie, for correcting me on that. Um but they, but the point is, is yeah. I mean, Archer's in jail. Devin Archer's in jail, and uh, went to prison. Somehow, for some reason, Hunter has stayed 
uh, loose as a goose. I wonder what that, uh, what the reason for that could be. Really perplexing stuff. How could that happen? Great question. Okay, we come back. Tesla's got a big recall. Harvard covered up its uh, plagiarism probe. This is something being reported in the New York Post. And then I want to get into this tech CEO from San Francisco. Did you hear about this? I guess he, I guess he, he got sued by his uh, assistant turned sex slave. I'm not going to get into the tawdry stuff of it, but there's a contract. And so it's worth talking about this because I think it's, I think it's interesting stuff. Um, we really have to make our minds up, you know, the extent to which consenting adults can enter into arrangements, no matter how bizarre or tawdry. Okay. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Be with you back here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Uh, yep, we'll continue here after these messages. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to salmonashlaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. All right, folks, welcome to the What's Right Show, the place for common sense conservatism here on News Talk 840 KXNT, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. So listen. Um, uh, if you've got a Tesla, it may be subject to a recall. The uh, autopilot monitoring system that is in virtually every single vehicle, nearly 2 million or over 2 million cars, uh, is apparently defective. So there's – it's going to be fixed with a software update. That's one of the great things about Tesla that doesn't get uh, a lot of attention. If, if you've got a Tesla, you've got it plugged in at night in the garage. You, you connect it to your your house, you know, your Wi-Fi internet uh, system. But even if it's not, it'll still it'll still send a, uh, updates periodically that will fix things and improve things in the car. So that's going to happen. Um, this is all because the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says that through investigations, it found that the autopilot's method of ensuring that drivers are paying attention can be inadequate and can lead to foreseeable misuse of the system. Now, remember I told you about this some weeks ago when there were a couple of high-profile lawsuits. So far, I think Tesla has won all of the big cases uh, where you know people are, are driving the car, right, they're they're not paying attention, and they're using the autopilot, and they think that the autopilot is guaranteed to be safe, which it is not. You've got to pay attention. And I've seen cases – by the way, I, you know, we, we've got a few here at uh, Sam and Ash where there are horrific accidents that occur as a consequence of, of people on this. It's enhanced. It's really what it is. is it's like an enhanced cruise control. And it works pretty nicely. I mean, it'll it'll change lanes if you've got the you know the more advanced package. It'll take you between lanes, and it'll you know it will take you door to door. But there's certain things it doesn't pick up on, and that can prove prove fatal. So just got to get this thing updated. And um, 
I, one thing I can guarantee you that as time goes on, this stuff will get you know more and more. Uh, it'll get more and more stable. I just still think that we are years away from a truly self-driving car. Well, you can't uh, self It has to be a hundred percent foolproof, right? You don't want you know, you don't want a ninety-nine percent foolproof self-driving car because if that's the case, you, you don't want to take those chances. What if you're the one in one hundred? Uh, time that you drive the car, if you keep a car, how long do you have a car for? Years? Five years, let's say? How many times do you drive it? If 99% of the time everything's great, but 1% of the time it isn't, um, that can kill you. So that's what I'm getting at. It's it's easy to get to 90. It's even relatively, uh, it's, it's still relatively easy to get to 98, 99%. To make it 100% foolproof is, is a whole nother matter. So this, I think, is still years away. But we will see and follow the story, obviously, as uh, time goes on. So I, I saw a few days ago, and I, I largely ignored it. This uh, CEO in uh, San Francisco got sued by an assistant. It's an employment law case. That's really what it is. But then today I saw a new story about it, and it just it just got me. Because the CEO, okay, his name is Christian Lang. And he was a um, the head of a of a tech company that had it was a it was a startup, but it had, it was one of these. They're called unicorns, and 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 what that means is this company that gets more than a billion dollars in, in valuation coming right out of the gate when it files for IPO. So it's just a, a kind of a big deal. And the company was called TradeShift. So the company fired him when these allegations came to light. His assistant. Uh, claimed that he forced her to sign a slave contract. Now, let me uh, let me explain briefly my understanding of this. Um, and I know it's a family program, but I'm not going to be too graphic here. I promise. Well, it has to do with with uh, with with um, adult relations among adults, but. Um, where one person is dominant over the other, and um, and apparently people write contracts about it. I um, I've never encountered this, uh, certainly not in my personal life, and uh, not as of yet in my in my professional practice as a lawyer. Uh, so I, you know, but I, because I'm a lawyer, I go to the contract <laughs> because I I want to no, I want to see what's in the I want to see what's in the agreement. By the way, what do you think I was looking for? I'll, uh, and by the way, it wasn't for it wasn't for the kinky stuff. I wasn't looking for that. What do you think I, as a lawyer, was looking for? Well, the reason I the reason I ask is because it, it was the first thing that crossed my mind when I saw the story. Uh, I, I no, no, it wasn't that. No, I, I, um, I was looking for money. And the reason for you know is reason for that is um, you know one of the one of the things you know, there are certain elements of a contract to make it legally binding. Okay, so well, one thing you can't you can't agree to anything that's illegal. And by the way, um, I'm I read this cover to cover, unfortunately, and I didn't see anything illegal in it. 
transpiring in California, there, you know, guaranteed safety and such for the, the, the gal and all the stuff in it, whatever. There's nothing illegal in the contract. Okay, so then I went to, well, I, a compensation. Yes, I went to compensation because if you, if you don't have money exchange hands in a contract, it's not binding. Or it's one way to challenge uh, and to invalidate an agreement. Okay, so I, I looked at it, and, and this guy was going to give her a minimum of ten thousand dollars after a year, um, and and I think and there was some some clause in there where she could get even more. So it was, look, I mean, it was not an insignificant amount of money. So, so look here here's here's the thing here's why it interests me. It caught my eye. Then I stepped away from it. Then I saw that somebody – oh, the New York Post wrote that the disgraced CEO who got this lawsuit filed against him had been seen palling around with Kevin Spacey. That got me mad because, of course, Kevin Spacey has had uh, some allegations uh, thrown at him, and he's prevailed in every single lawsuit, including most recently in a criminal case in London. Everything's been thrown out. His accusers completely discredited. So leave Kevin Spacey out of it, right? That was my first thing I want to say. Now, the second thing is, so I go to read the contract, and I, I re- figure this out, and I go, look, how, how old is this person? And I couldn't really tell because they've got her as a, um, as a Jane Doe, protecting her identity. But she's an adult, right? She's an adult. She's 18 plus, so she can enter into agreements. So what is why, – why, how is she alleging that this guy forced her into this agreement? Okay, so he's – okay, he's her boss, right? Okay, so that's a problem. Okay, let's set that aside for a minute. The, the, problem, the problem I have, Robbie, with this uh, – this type, these type of cases, and the predictable media response to it is that I grew up, you know, in the eighties and nineties, where we were sort of in the in the throes of because sort of the peak feminist movement that began twenty years earlier or more, and feminism, as I understood it, meant that women were equal to men which I believe 100%, so we got equality among the genders, fine, okay. That women are strong, that women can make their own decisions, that women are independent. You know, these lawsuits, when somebody sues, and I get it, it's it's more than likely a a play for money, but when a woman, let's say she's 25, when a 25-year-old woman sues a rich, powerful man and says she was forced to sign a slave contract. Um, I think it's tremendously weakening as an argument to the entire feminist movement. It's very interesting to me how we pick and choose when someone has capacity to agree to something and when they don't. Let me give you an example here that we bring up from time to time here on this program. So, for example, we are told that an 11-year-old, a 12-year-old, 
have the capacity to understand and sign up for permanent genital mutilation, right? Through the form of, of, of puberty-blocking drugs that, of course, result 99% of time in sterilization. Okay, so, so that kind of thing, right? So that we are told that that's okay. So at 11, you can make that decision. And then if you go back to some of these uh, cases that we've had in the Me Too movement, there are instances of outright rape, which is clearly you know, a felony and, and, and people deserve to be thrown in prison forever. Okay, got that. Then you had lots of examples of, of women that just didn't say no. They didn't. In fact, for example, I mean, even a jury in California threw out a number of charges against Harvey Weinstein, including charges that were brought forward by Gavin Newsom's wife back in the day when she was an actress and auditioning for some part, ends up in Harvey Weinstein's room. Even the jury in California didn't believe her because the thrust of her argument was that she was just overwhelmed by his power. This is a slippery slope. It basically says that if somebody has more power than you, you are by virtue of that power inequality less of a person. You are less able to accept or reject whatever it is that they're proposing. Now, I find this deeply troubling. I find it troubling as a man. I find it troubling as a father of girls. I find it... You know, I find it deeply troubling as, as a father of a son. It bothers me because, of course, what I, I, I one, I see in it uh, the obvious Marxist uh, paradigm, which is, you know, the, the inequality of, of, of power and, and that, uh, you know, uh, the, <laughs> right, it, it, exactly. The inequality of power, the, uh, the idea that, uh, that uh, certainly, um, not all of the farm animals are created equal. That, and that, by the way, and that what? Certain of us are so weak that we need who to stand up for us? The state, the courts. They need to step in our place and protect us from ourselves because we are incapable of consenting. Now, somebody somewhere at some point decided that 18 was the number. 17, you're a, a minor. 18, you're an adult. I'm not here to debate that number. I feel like that's been established. But once we've agreed on that number, we need to be very skeptical, right, of, 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 of situations where we are uh, – I, I, where we have – you know where we're where we're trying where we're try, where we literally give adults an out for decisions that they make, claiming that they're, for example, involuntary. So I look. I I mean, to me, this story is fascinating. It's, it's there's there's others like it, and I I know what she's doing. I mean, she's saying, look, I was I was employed by him, and then he did this thing with me on the side. But you know, she 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 signed it. And that's going to be the defense. I'm just telling you the defense is going to be, ma'am, did you sign this agreement? Yes. Did you get the money? Yes. Rest my case. That's what it's going to come down to. Okay, I got to take a break. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT, fascinating stuff. 
We'll see how this case transpires. Don't go anywhere. Be back in a moment. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings. Welcome back, friends. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. One of the interesting things that came out from this week's uh, Harvard fiasco is that Claudine Gay had been the president that's under attack. <laughs> well, under attack. It, one, the, the plagiarism crisis, you know, that came out a couple days ago. Uh, she's weathering that storm also. Uh, this happened on the heels of last week's testimony on the Hill where she could not say that her students at Harvard who were shouting and calling for the end of Israel and Jewish genocide were violating of the uh, uh, standards and uh, code of ethics there at, at Harvard. So that, that fiasco is still burning. But one thing that's come out, a very interesting component of the story – is that the New York Post apparently uh, had been probing President Claudine Gay uh, as as I think as 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 early as 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 uh, what is this uh, October? Robbie, is that right? In October, they were they were doing a deep dive into her plagiarism, and apparently Harvard hired a very expensive and powerful law firm that began threatening the post over the story. This is this is this is wild. So this is um the, it, it, yeah, so the look, I mean uh, this had been around. This these allegations had been around for a while and of course Christopher Rufo and a co-author uh published it and put it out there on the heels of her testimony. And um, and that's that's what happened. So so look, Harvard only disclosed, by the way, the investigation when the university's governing body, the Harvard Corporation, said it unanimously stood behind her. Okay, so they had to come out and say, "Oh yeah, by the way, this has been going on for a while. We already have been aware of these allegations, and we remain committed. We remain committed to." Uh, to the president, keeping the president there at Harvard. So that's just letting you know a little bit of that of that history. That's what's cooking. All right. Now, one of the interesting things here, and, and Robbie, you just sent this to me here moments ago. Uh, just to be aware, pre- the Republicans in Congress, let's see, 245, is that when this is set to happen? So the House is voting to formalize the impeachment inquiry. Uh, in about was about eight minutes, they're going to start voting. I doubt they'll have a final vote on this before we get off air. Um, no, 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 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. Okay, there we go. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll keep an eye on this for you. And if, if anything transpires there in the last quarter hour, uh, before, uh, before three o'clock, we'll let you know. I really, folks, I really have. Uh, some trepidation over a formal impeachment proceeding here. Less, what is this, less than 11, uh, 11 months before the election. 
I think that the, the, the risk – I keep saying this. The risk is that this blows back in Republicans' faces, that, and it creates sympathy for, for Biden. Let the drip drip continue. Let them eat their own. The, the Dems will turn on each other when they smell blood in the water. But th- this is – they'll, they'll just circle their wagons all the more around, around Biden. I suppose the one good thing that will happen is that they're more likely to keep him in that event. Uh, but I think I think that this could definitely backfire and be a, a, a problem. So we'll watch that happening here uh, shortly um, at 2:45. Apparently, there's a vote scheduled for the uh, uh, to formalize a, a, a formal impeachment inquiry against against Joe Biden. So we'll we'll talk about that when we come back. Uh, should there be any updates? Now, I had a great call with a client today at work. I want to tell you about this. You, I want to give you a little peek behind the curtain, okay, I, what I do lawyering, lawyering-wise here at the office. Um, fascinating stuff. So if you're wondering about any of this, like why all – what is this personal injury thing? What is Sam and Ash? I'm going to tell you a few things about that because I had this – I had a conversation. I, I wish all of you could have heard it. it reminded me some of this stuff is, is really too important to pass up. All right, don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show will continue, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to SamAndAshLaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. Okay, I have to talk about this here, folks, uh, real fast. This is uh, breaking news today, and it's huge. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. I am Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. Here to talk about a Supreme Court grant of of certiorari. So the cert was granted on Fisher v. U.S. So that means uh, that the Supreme Court will hear uh, a case here that involves one of the January 6th prisoners. And it is... It's specifically related to the obstruction of an official proceeding. Remember, I talked about this last week. I said that it was likely that the Supreme Court would want to hear this, and in fact, they do. Because what happened here, uh, what happened here is that this this is a, a, a federal law that was uh, put into place in the wake of Enron. It has to do with preventing people from destructing uh, official documents, for example, audits, okay, or bank records, okay, you get the idea. That was that's what it was all about. And the feds stretched this law, you know, I, I mean, I would I would say grotesquely and abusively, and then used it as a cudgel against all of these folks that were all these. <laughs> As I always joke, you know, mom and pop uh, realtors and chiropractors and, uh, you know, and stay-at-home moms that went to the Capitol to protest what they believed was a stolen election, okay? Guess what? We Right or wrong, we're allowed to believe that an election was stolen. Now, you're not allowed to go on federal property and break things. But trespass, right? Um, okay, so charge me with trespass, right? If you enter the building, 
kind of hard to charge somebody with trespass if they're being led around on camera by you know by 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 Capitol Hill police who are just kind of going okay well on, on the left we have the Senate chamber on the right we've got we've got the uh, the you know we've got the house um, look up look down and that's what we saw on the tape too and there are people that were thus led around who ended up doing real time in prison. Uh, for example, the uh, the shaman guy, right? So they're going to go to the heart of the case here, and this means not just the people that pled, you know, that were convicted, but also the people that pled guilty. A lot of these sentences could be revisited. Who does this also affect? Well, let's suppose for a minute that the state, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court, excuse me, they come down and say, "Look, this is this is overreach," and the courts. Uh, the court should never have allowed uh, folks based on these facts to be charged under this code section. If that happens, it guts a large portion of Jack Smith's case against Trump in D.C. So remember, Jack Smith is asking for the same review the same supreme court review of the you know uh, on on his side of the case related to trump's executive authority and his and his immunity for acts committed while he was in office we talked about this briefly the other day he well the two two parts of the problem one generally presidents in, enjoy immunity from acts that, that, from anything that they do while they're in office and there's a very important reason for this because we don't we want the separation of branches, right? So we don't want the judicial branch to usurp power from the executive by tying up the executive branch in what? In, in criminal investigations, proceedings, and, and threats to lock up the president. You can't let one branch take out the other. Our founding fathers were a little too smart for that. So the other part of the problem is, is that the Founding Fathers did put in a mechanism into the Constitution for how to hold a president accountable, and it's called – are you ready? Impeachment, <laughs> right? We've heard that word a lot over the last uh, seven years. So well, – and what was the purpose of that? Well, th there's a system, right? You, you, get, you get charged essentially. You get charged by the House. They vote to file articles of impeachment. Those get set to the Senate. The Senate, they're the jury, and the House appoints prosecutors. And we've been through enough of these going back to Bill Clinton, but certainly twice under Trump, that we all kind of understand how this works. And that is the means by which to determine whether a president has, in fact, uh, been proven to be uh, – to be to be guilty of that's not exactly the right term, but be guilty of the that the, the charges against him. Well, the charges that were put forth by the rabid foaming at the mouth Democrats against Trump at the late stage of his term, right, resulted in what? An acquittal in the Senate. And one of the issues that is being put forward to the Supreme Court as we speak, and they have not accepted this yet, but I suspect that they will, is to answer a question of is it double jeopardy to have a president on roughly the same charges be brought up for impeachment 
and then later to be and acquitted and then later be brought up by the same for the same essential charges based on the same uh, roughly the same facts um, in a criminal proceeding brought by here the special counsel. That's the that's the situation. So I just wanted to tell you this. This is big news. I wanted to mention mention. So look, the whole. If depending on the how the Supreme Court rules, okay, I don't want to get ahead of myself. It could gut the entire. It could gut the entire uh, J six case, not just against Trump, but also against all these some of these poor people that are languishing in prison for absolutely nonsensical reason. Meanwhile, meanwhile, of course, people who who went out there and actually damaged federal property and 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 uh, as liberal protesters, for example. Uh, the Roe v. Wade people, uh, they, 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 got, you know, they got a trespass and a site and release. Absolutely maddening. All right, so I had a, cl- a conversation with a client. I wanted to share this with you because, of course, I uh, represent folks here that are, uh, that, are, that are injured, and that's what I do. That's my, my job, and I've done it. My very first personal injury job I took when I was 19 years old. And uh, so I was working as a as a legal assistant in in law school. Uh, excuse me, uh, undergrad, sophomore year of undergrad, and um, and I just I've stuck with it ever since, and I, I absolutely love it. But I had, I had this conversation with the client, and and he 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 called us and and wanted to talk to me, and I we we ended up connecting, and I said, and he goes, yeah, I know you always talk about on the show how they're going to come and offer me money. The insurance company's offering me money. And they're offering him a, a small amount, right? It's it's a, it's a small amount, and I said, well, yeah, that's that's what they do. And and we we and I and I said, but you, you know, they've already figured out that you're more likely than not to take that amount. He goes, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? I said, the insurance companies are are uh, very savvy, and they have a tremendous amount of data, so they will. They will look at who you are as a person and then match it up to their database of people that are similar to you and what have they done in the past. And they are able to, within $1,000, to predict what amount is enough for you to just say, oh, forget it, I'm just going to sign on the dotted line. Now the amount that this guy is getting, I'm I'm confident that they're offering him today. I, I'm confident I can get him five times, six times the amount. I can't get, I can't promise that, of course. But I'm just telling you, just between between us here, I'm confident I can do that. So even after my fee, my clients end up with more money than they would get going directly to the insurance company. But one of the interesting things that came of this is I told him because I've seen this happen, and I've. Looked at these. I've I've talked to the claims people. And I've deposed some of them. When we get into bad faith litigation and 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 really getting at the heart of why insurance companies refuse to pay out on legitimate claims, and I told them, and I said this was true. You know, they will offer less money to registered Republicans. And his jaw dropped, and he was kind of surprised when I told him that. And I said, Oh yeah. They've figured out that if you are conservative, you're more likely to just want to do the right thing and and let it go and you know and and take the money and move on and not go through a process. You don't want to hire a lawyer. It's not right. It's not what conservatives do. They have the data backing it up. 
So I told them when I when I talk about this in some of my ads, when I when I talk specifically to conservatives, and I say, you know, listen, um, you know, I you know, you 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 need you need legal help too, and it's it's unbelievable that it's it's actually based on real data and real information. And the reason I know this is because once in a while, and this. Uh, in these cases, right, you, you get you – get, let's say you've got an injury. You've got an enormous injury, a big injury. Client suffers a, a million-dollar loss, and you go to the insurance company. You don't know what the limit is, but you, you know that the, the, uh, the defendant doesn't have any money of their own, so that it's just insurance. So you, you make a claim for policy limits, and the insurance company will turn around and say, no, 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 we're not paying the policy limits. Then you later find out the policy limits were just a hundred grand. It's a million dollar, two million dollar case. So you have to go to court, you go through the whole thing. Jury comes back, says, yes, your client deserves 1.2 million, whatever the amount is. And then the insurance company goes, ha, just, just kidding. Well, here's, here's your hundred grand and it uh, looks like you'll be taking care of the rest. And suddenly you're stuck holding the bag on you know what is that? One point one million in, in money that you owe to the person that you hit, and this is a problem. So one of the things that I've I've done in years past, and our team has done, is we've we've then gone to the defendant and say, okay, you can't pay this money, so you're going to assign it to our client, and and we'll not sue you in exchange for you giving us your claim against your insurance company, and then we step in the place of the defendant whose insurance company decided to take their interests and prioritize their interests, their money savings over protecting their insured who'd been paying, you know, for years premiums and, and whatnot, uh, fees to the to the to the carrier. And it's through that process then, through discovery, through depositions, for example, we make them show up, right? We they don't do a hundred Biden. They can't just hold a press conference saying we're not showing up for Sam and Ash. Uh, but we make them show up, and then then we start to ask how they come about figuring out who they're going to offer money to and who they who they don't, who they will and who they won't to. Fascinating stuff. So if you're a registered Republican, you're more likely to get less money offered to you, believe it or not, by an insurance company. It's it's wild. Okay, got to run. Quick break here. Uh, Robbie will give an update here. See what's going on on the Hill with this. Uh, vote uh, for this impeachment vote, uh, seeing if they formalize this proceeding. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT, you're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash, injury law, because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Yeah, Nevada Attorney General A. Ron Ford has uh, apparently uh, had his press conference today uh, accusing the uh, six fake electors, including Mike McDonald, the chairman of the GOP, Nevada GOP. Um, I, we talked about this later. Nothing else to add. This was the press conference that should have happened last week when uh, when tragedy struck at UNLV, so it had to be postponed uh, to today. Uh, and um, I don't know. This is all just a giant stunt uh, that I think uh, Attorney General Ford is using to draw attention to his next political chapter in his life. 
hearing perhaps that he may be running for governor. Good luck running against Lombardo, pal. You're going to need it. <laughs> okay. All right. I look it's 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 just this is this is so chintzy. Absolutely chintzy. Hey, can you imagine if your kid failed uh, a test at school? He fails his test, right? And uh you're you're upset because you're a demanding parent. You know you want you want his uh, your your kid to to do well in school. So you go and you say, "Show me the test. Bring me the test." And uh, you get the test. You're looking at it. You go, "Why did you fail the test?" And you realize it's because they failed uh, question seven and question four. Now, what is question seven and question four? Well, if this is a test being uh, taken at the Chief Self International High School in Seattle, Washington. Well, these two questions would be, one, only women can get pregnant, true or false? Now, marking it true is wrong. How about this one? Question four, all men have penises. Well, technically, that's that's false because you know. Uh, <sighs> well, well, that's I would answer that question false uh, because, of course, uh, you know, a, a trans woman is not a woman; it's a man, right? And if she's he, whatever has had the stuff removed, you know, he's still a man. He's got that doesn't have a penis though. So this is this is the kind of stuff that they're asking. First of all, this is on a test. Understanding gender versus sex, it's indoctrination. It's crazy, and it's happening all over the country. This is in a 10th grade ethnic studies world history. Okay? A teacher, what, who's the teacher here? Well, that's, that's the teacher, right? It's an ethnic studies teacher. And, um, and apparently, uh, apparently a bunch of kids did very poorly on it. Uh, yeah, the parents are concerned and they're, they're, they're ticked off. They're, they're going to the school board and the school board. I mean, the thing is, if you think that this is inappropriate, you don't want this near your kids and you go to fight the system in a place like Seattle, you're not going to get very far. And that's the maddening thing. This is so entrenched. It hasn't been, it's. It's going to take a lot to, to, to rid us of this virus, but they, no, they're, the district is defending it, right? Seattle Public Schools are saying that it's an inclusive quiz. Here's their quote. Seattle Public Schools is dedicated to establishing inclusive environments that allow exploration of contemporary issues, specifically examining the impacts of power systems. Here we go. Power systems such as racism and patriarchy. <laughs> uh, the district continued by saying this commitment extends to fostering welcoming and inclusive settings where students, staff, and families have the freedom to express their authentic selves. Look, you, that's, that's bullcrap. You can't express your authentic self in this dictatorship of gender trans radicalism. 
if your expression of authentic self does to say that's a woman, that's a man, and there's really no in between, then you're labeled a bigot. You're labeled, uh, you know, a reprobate. You're labeled someone who's not worthy of living in polite society. And so, so you're on the outs. This is an inclusive. Actually, quite the opposite. It's fairly exclusive. But this is what happens with radicals. They frequently will use one word when the meaning is the exact opposite. Think Democratic Republic of Korea, right? Well, Democratic People's Republic of Korea, right? Eh, Not very democratic over there if you catch my drift. So this is fine. By the way, mom says she's proud. Even though her son failed the quiz, mom says she's proud of him because he refused to answer against his beliefs. Uh, which we have to note here are medically and scientifically accurate, or at least they once used to be. So the district did uh, – by the way, they did say, okay, so the grade won't be used against a student's overall grade. You know why they're saying that? Because if it were, if it were, it would open up a challenge in court. Do they really want this going all the way up through the courts and, and only to get, get shot down and say, no, like literally you can't do this to the student? So – but the message is out there now. If you want the A in that class, you've got to conform to the ideology of the teacher. Right? We know this. You've got to – you've got to – you've got to say what – you've got to respond the way they want you to respond. Education didn't used to be like this, right? Used to be able to challenge assertions, particularly in history and in the humanities. And then, of course, in the sciences, there were certain truths that were, you know, determined to be fairly uh, uh, irrefutable. And those are the things that they're trying to turn upside down. Absolutely wild stuff. All right, Robbie, did we get an update? What's cooking here? I, I, I think uh, they're voting. Uh, let's see. Approved. 221 yay, 212 nay. House GOP passes resolution to formalize impeachment inquiry. All right, we'll talk about this tomorrow. Sam Urjofsky here. Glad to have you with us on the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. I'll see you manana.